Welcome to the Quotivation Podcast. Together, we will unlock inspiration, one quote at a time. Your host is America's leading emerging speaker. He is a former semifinalist in the World Championship of Public Speaking and is an expert motivator. Please welcome Jody Powell. Hey there, and welcome to the Quotivation Podcast. I'm Jody Powell, your navigator through the boundless world of inspirational quotes. Each week, a special guest and I will embark on an electrifying journey as we dissect, discuss, and decode those powerhouse quotes that light up our souls and set our ambitions ablaze. So buckle up, folks. This isn't your average podcast. This is the Quotivation Podcast, where every episode is a journey. So like, follow, subscribe, set a reminder, and tell your grandma to stay tuned. And get ready to unlock inspiration, one life-changing quote at a time. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Quotivation Podcast. Another week is on the way, but I know I find myself sometimes reflecting on the week that has passed. And for me, last week, it was a strained week. And sometimes our weeks will throw us unexpected curveballs, and we have to be able to be flexible and adjust to what needs to be done. Recognize that the most urgent and important tasks that lie in front of us must be tackled with vigor and excitement for the opportunity. What we can't do is look backwards and worry about what has happened to allow those bumps in the road from last week to get us down. Maybe you don't feel like you won your week last week. You know, I hear this sometimes in sports when a team is playing in a big game and the game doesn't go their way. Maybe they lose to a team that they weren't supposed to lose to. And that loss carries over. They focus on it so much that it affects the way they play in the next game. Some teams lose twice in a row because the first loss was still on their minds. If last week didn't go your way, don't let it beat you twice. Now is the time to move on, to put it behind you and face this week with a new winning attitude. Because you are going to win your week. You are going to achieve your goals. You are going to take steps to capture your dreams, to do what you've outlined to accomplish. I believe in you, and you should believe in you too. So let's see if we can help you win your week this week on the Quotivation Podcast. And we'll start this episode off like we do every episode by taking a shot, a shot of motivation. And this week, our shot of motivation is sponsored by Amy Real from Cross Country Mortgage. Amy's the real deal in all things mortgage. She's been a dear friend of mine for many, many years. She's been a big fan of the Quotivation Podcast, a supporter from the very beginning. So if you're in need of anything mortgage-related, whether it's a first mortgage, a second mortgage, maybe that mortgage on an investment property, or maybe you're interested in refinancing, give Amy a call today. Her phone number is 864-310-9337. That's 864 310 you can also email her at amy.real, that's R-E-I-H-L, at ccm.com. When you reach out to Amy, 
Tell her you were motivated to get your mortgage deal done. Amy Real, the real deal for all things mortgage. And Amy's NMLS number is 486-620. And thank you, Amy, for your sponsorship of the Shot of Motivation. It's time for a shot of motivation where the vibes like taking a shot, but the high is pure inspiration. This is a quick, powerful boost of motivation to fire up your spirit. Get ready for a rapid infusion of uplifting stories, impactful quotes, and game-changing ideas. It's the swift, potent dose you need to amp up your game and win your week. It's a shot of motivation. When my wife and I were dating, she was working as a waitress at an Applebee's in our hometown. One evening, she asked if I would come in and meet her friend, let's call her Sally. Now, I hadn't been warned about Sally. She was quirky. And she was madly in love with her ex-boyfriend. Let's call him Ricky. Now, when I say Sally was madly in love with Ricky, I'm being generous. She was borderline fatal attraction in love with her Ricky. So when I met Sally, the first words out of her mouth to my wife were, Oh my gosh, he looks so much like Ricky. And for the next hour, I sat there listening how Ricky still loves her. How he's just confused right now. How Ricky calls and hangs up on her without saying anything. Now, this was before smartphones, and caller ID was just becoming a new thing. So it wasn't uncommon to receive a phone call and not know who was on the other end. But she just assumed it was Ricky because Ricky wanted to hear her voice. Ricky was calling to hang up on her. Ricky was calling to be sure she was at home because he was still in love with her. Now, by all accounts, Ricky wanted to have nothing to do with her. And so after about an hour of hearing about Ricky and hearing about their love and what their future is going to be like once he comes to his senses, I had to ask her. I said, did you ever think that maybe Ricky isn't the guy for you? Maybe he was only supposed to be in your life for a season, and now that season has come and gone. Maybe it's time to move on. I have never heard it quieter in an Applebee's than it was at that very moment. <laughs> Needless to say, Sally was no longer a fan of mine. But there is a stark reality here that we all have to face and understand. I mean, life, it, it, much like nature, it unfolds in cycles, in seasons. And there are moments that enter our lives and, and bring us joy and growth and happiness. But those moments aren't always intended to be there fully for the rest of our lives. They're meant for what we need right now. There are relationships that we have, friendships, 
maybe romantic relationships that are exactly what we need in the moment. But when the moment is over, those relationships die off. They end. They go away. And that's okay. Not all things are only in our lives for seasons. Obviously, there are things, there are people, there are places, there are situations that last a lifetime, and they're intended to. But we have to be able to recognize those people, those jobs, those situations, those living arrangements, those volunteer activities that are meant to be in our lives for a season. And more importantly, we have to recognize when that season ends. There's a lot of things that can lead to depression and despair. And one of them is hanging on. Hanging on to something that isn't meant for you anymore. When I think about things that could uh, impact our well-being and hinder our personal growth because we're hanging on to them, I think about stagnation. How we'll just become stagnant. We will refuse to move on. We don't seek new challenges. We don't seek new experiences, new opportunities that could contribute to our personal or professional development. If we're trying to hang on to something beyond its use for our life, if we're trying to hang on to someone beyond their season, it can lead to stagnation. It could also lead to missed opportunities. By holding on to the past, we might miss out on new and potential enriching opportunities that align with what our aspirations are and what our future holds for us because we're holding on to the present. Not recognizing when a season ends can lead to emotional turmoil. It can lead to a, a discrepancy between what was and what is. It can lead to frustration, disappointment, sense of unfulfillment. If we try to hang on, it can lead to strained relationships, particularly if it's a friendship or a romantic relationship that has served its time. Both parties can evolve in different directions, and an unwillingness to let go can lead to conflicts and strained interactions and apparently hang-up phone calls, if you ask Sally. You can lose your authenticity, lose who you are as a person, focusing on something that has passed you by. It can drain your energy. It can delay your healing. It can create a lot of regret. It will have a terrible impact on your mental health. Things change. It's the only constant. We outgrow jobs. Companies take different directions. Situations change. Friendships change. People move on to aspirations that may not align with what you need or may not align with what you can provide them. And we have to be okay with that. The worst thing we can do is to stay somewhere and overstay our welcome. Life's full of seasons and just like how the seasons of the year unfold, the leaves spring forth on the trees. The summer bakes those leaves and causes them to be bright and green and beautiful. And in the fall, those leaves begin to change. They change color. 
because in the winter the trees no longer need them and they separate. So many things like that are in our lives. It's important for us to be able to recognize them. That's your shot of motivation for this week. I hope you can recognize the things that are meant to last a lifetime and those things that may be already over that are weighing you down. This has been a shot of motivation from America's leading emerging speaker, Jody Powell. We hope it helps you win your week. Let's get to our special guest this week. Peter Agiovacitis, or better known as Peter A., has enjoyed an entire career in advertising, holding leadership roles at top advertising agencies. He possesses experience with Fortune 500 brands and has negotiated over $1 billion with TV, radio, and print networks. His new goal is to be a professional speaker. The urge began in Toastmasters as a division speech contest champion, and he's now a distinguished Toastmaster. He has also won the Rising Star Award and the President's Award from the National Speakers Association Carolinas Chapter. Peter's on the road speaking and consulting to associations and corporations and just recently spoke in New Zealand. Peter A., welcome to the Quotivation Podcast. How are you, buddy? Jody, thank you for having me on your podcast, man. I'm so excited for you and what you're doing. I think it's fantastic. Quotivation is going to be big. It's going to be huge. And I'm very happy to be here today. Love it. Love it. We're glad you're here, Peter. And uh, you and I have known each other for a little while now and had the opportunity to share stages and, and be part of something really cool. And uh, so, so tell us, Peter, a little bit about yourself, what you've done in your career and now what you're doing speaking wise and, and a little bit about what, uh, what topics you talk about. Sure. Uh, I, when I graduated college, I was a computer science major, but I didn't graduate as a computer science major. I graduated as a communications major because the dean, computer science dean came up to me and says, Peter, uh, I think you better go find something else to do. <laughs> and so I did. <laughs> and I got into communications. And then I had a love of television. And so I tried to figure out a way to uh, get television and my business minor together. And I came up with advertising. And so... My first job was in New York City at Gray Advertising, and I was doing network TV contracts. That's how I first started. And, uh, and then worked my way up and then moved to North Carolina and, uh, because my wife had a job opportunity in North Carolina. And I said, what the hell am I going to do in Raleigh, North Carolina? <laughs> well, it turns out the largest ad agency in the Southeast was in Raleigh. And I got a job there, and it was called McKinney and Silver, and uh, I worked there for 13 years, uh, just doing uh, media buying, and I was running the media buying department, but I did all the network TV. So I did all the network TV TV for Audi and Royal Caribbean, and uh, just getting them on the networks, and it was great because I would go up to New York, meet celebrities. Uh, spend money, you know, it was fantastic. Just loved it. Uh, but, you know, then the shine started coming off of it a little bit. And I said, what am I, what do I want to do when I grew up, grow up? And I, I thought about speaking because uh, I was having trouble speaking. My uh, Charles McKinney, who ran the agency, 
could eloquently give an hour presentation. And the next day he could give the same presentation verbatim. And I said, how do you do that? How do you do that? And he said, Peter, three things, practice, practice, practice. Right. Rehearsal, rehearsal, rehearsal. And I took that and, and, and I took that and uh, I started getting better because I kept rehearsing my speeches. Yeah. And then because one day I knew when I grew up, I wanted to be a speaker. So here I am trying to do it, going out there, doing speeches, getting some checks. I need more of them, but we're getting there. <laughs> we all need more of them. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. And, and so tell us a little bit about, about your talks that you do. You have two main programs. One of them is on communication, um, bridging the gap, and the other about moving forward. Tell us a little bit about uh, your, your presentations and what they're about and, and what people can expect when they hear Peter A. speak. Well, I remember, I remember when I uh, first joined uh, National Speakers Association as an academy member, and I was at the Carolinas chapter, and I was speaking in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, to the American Marketing Association on negotiations, something I know very well. And then after, and then after I looked up and everybody's, everybody had this face like they were just like bug-eyed or something like it. I didn't get through to them or something. And when I got back to the, to the NSA meeting, there was the head of membership. He his name was Morris Morrison, and Morris came up and said, "Peter, how did that speech go down in South Carolina?" And I said, Morris, man, I don't know. The people were just like, I didn't get any reaction in their faces. I was just like, I don't know what's going on. He said, I could tell you what's going on. I said, what? He said, it, can't, it didn't come from here. It didn't come from the heart. You know, if you can't get to them through the heart, you're not going to get to them. And I said, mm. okay. So then I tried to find a subject which had a lot of heart. And so what I, my first, my first keynote was called moving forward. And it was about uh, how I dealt with the great recession in 2008, lost my job, lost everything pretty much, you know, my savings, uh, the house, the, the whole nine yards, because I wasn't working for a long time. Uh, it was, I was, I had chronic, I had a disease called chronic unemployment, <laughs> you know, I was older, expensive and experienced and nobody wanted that anymore <laughs> and uh but it's how i climbed into how i dug my hole and how i uh dug myself out but i really didn't dig myself out because i always felt like i was dragging my family into the hole with me but what i found out later that it was my family pulling me up out of the hole mm, wow. so uh so that's what i talk about moving forward but um uh, then someone asked me to do the uh, do my keynote, but the next day they wanted a workshop on something totally different. And they said, uh, "You have something?" I said, uh, "Yeah, I got something." <laughs> <laughs> and what popped in my head was the generations because I was doing some work with the generations, and so I created this uh, uh, program called Bridging the Gap. Uh, which deals with how we can't communicate with the different generations. Um, people have a stereotype of each generation. They, they really can't talk to each other for some reason. And so when I started doing that, that's, that was, got on fire. 
I mean, businesses are calling me up saying, hey, I want you to do the generations thing. That's really good because that's it's it's important right now because the baby boomers are starting to retire, mm -hmm. but they're still there. And then the Gen Zs are coming in totally different, totally different <laughs> mindsets on each one. And I talk about how you have to know everybody's values and what their currencies are. What how can you talk to them in, in a way that you get through to them? Yeah, you can't talk at them. You got to talk with them. For sure. For sure. And then you've got the the uh, the Gen Xers like me that are just sitting over the side looking at everyone like, you guys are freaking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, I love you guys because you're you're like, well, we're just going to do what we're going to do. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we That's don't right. care. <laughs> Leave me alone and let me do my job. <laughs> and it was funny because I, I, I talk about how my how my at the last agency I was at, my boss was a Gen X and the. Uh, I had an issue and I walked down to his office and I wanted to talk to him because, you know, that's what baby boomers do. They want to talk, right? But not Gen Xers. They don't want to talk. They want to email. So I walked into his office and I said, hey, hey, Justin, I need to talk to you about this. He says, uh, why are you here? <laughs> I'm like, well, I didn't want to talk to you. And he said, can't you email me? And I turned my head around like, well, I'm standing right here. <laughs> <laughs> So that's that's what I mean. How we failed, we can't communicate uh, because we have different versions of how we should communicate, right. and so that's that's important. How much of that, Peter, is generational, and how much of that is personality, and how do you mesh those two? Because you have things like um, you know the DISC assessment, personality communication, those yeah. kind of things. I would imagine that within generate within generations those DISC assessments look incredibly different in terms of actionable steps to be able to communicate based on the generation and personality types. Yes. Uh, well, one of the things was I've taken the DISC assessment now three or four times. And, uh, and the last time I took it, it was a straight D, probably because I don't care anymore. <laughs> I was a DI, ID, you know, around there. But it wasn't until the second time that it was really explained to me how important that DISC assessment is, is because we tend, when we hire people, we tend to look for people like us. And that's just plain wrong. You need to hire people for that position, okay? And because that position can be in accounting and you don't want a high D in accounting. You want an S or a C in there because they can handle that stuff, the daily grind or whatever way you can. You're a, a D is going make trying to make decisions and this, that doesn't want to do the work, you know, but they'll make the decisions. But uh, so we have to we have to know that. And in my in my talk, I talk about the disc assessment, how important it is from a high. If you're not doing that on a hiring basis, I think you're missing out big time because you, you're going to save yourself a lot of problems if if you do the disc assessment. Now, when it comes to what when it comes to uh, the generations at work, it is just like people are set in their ways, and they can't understand the other generation. And what needs to happen, I hate to say it, is you need to learn about the the other generation. You need to know what they value. And I talk about how the our generations, baby boomers, the the one before us were the lost generation and the greatest generation. And because of wars and stuff, they had to save, they had to scrimp, they had to, so they would, they would save 
plastic bread bags. So they had something to pack their lunch in. And 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 grandpa would save all the nuts and bolts in, in, in baby food jars just because you never know when you need it, right? And now today, if we need it, we just go to Lowe's or Home Depot to pick up the nuts and bolts. So we don't need that stuff anymore. And uh, And Gen Z's today, they don't mind calling up Starbucks to have it delivered because... They, they value more convenience than they do money. So you have to know this in speaking to those people because then you create stereotypes and biases which are not really true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's where, that's where the, the real danger begins, right? Mm -hmm. Creating those stereotypes, believing in those, and then creating those biases, whether they're biases that you intentionally create or they're, they're subconscious suddenly you are now making decisions based on things that you believe or perceive to be true that may be completely false and mm -hmm. that leads to terrible decision making so exactly yeah. ba baby boomers are workaholics all of them right gen z's are lazy uh, millennials are entitled gen x don't care <laughs> you know and it's stuff like that that really does a disservice to everyone because not all Gen, Gen Zs are lazy. Not all millennials are entitled. Not, not all Gen Xers don't care. And not all baby boomers are workaholics. So you can't paint everybody with that broad brush. You have to, you have to get to know the people that you work with. And what I say, you have to find out what their currency is. What do they value? Hmm. Once you find out what they value, then you could get to know them. Then you know where to go. Then you'll be able to communicate with them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and once you understand their currency, you can begin to make deposits into the bank. Exactly. In, in their currency, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's I talk weird. about uh, what my, uh, one of the stories I tell is my daughter, Morgan. I know you know Morgan. And she uh, bartends at uh, for events at... Uh, at this five-star resort, not too far from our, our home. So, you know, the bougie crowd goes to this, this resort. And so uh, she's, a, she's a Gen Z and she's bartending and this uh, baby boomer walks up to him, walked up to him, it's an open bar. And, she, and he's got two singles that he's gonna put in the tip jar after he gets a drink. And, and she says, well, uh, how can I help you? And, and she, says, uh, she says, how can I help you? And he says, I'll have an old fashioned. And as she's making the old fashioned, he looks at him and he says, hey, let me ask you something. What's your favorite ACDC album? And he looks, she looks at her like, you know who ACDC is? And she goes, yeah, of course. My favorite album is Black and Black. What's yours? And the next thing you know, a 10-minute conversation ensues. Meanwhile, he puts the $2 back in his pocket. He whips out his wallet and uh, pulls out a 20 mm -hmm. and gives her a 20. Yeah. And that night she came home and said, Dad, I love you. I love ACDC because tonight I made six Benjamins. And for those in the crowd that don't know what a Benjamin is, it's $100. So she made $600 because she understood the other generation's currency. Right. And she knew how to speak to him, knew what's important to him, what he valued. And that's why she could communicate with him. Yeah, that's uh, that doesn't surprise me because, like you said, I know I, I've met Morgan, and that does not surprise me at all that she was able <laughs> to do that. Um, it's fantastic. And you and you mentioned Morris Morrison. 
Um, yeah. That doesn't surprise me either because uh, I have a funny story that I'm going to tell about Morris and and um, I we hired Morris to come speak uh, for a company that I work for. And we were speaking in Atlanta in the morning and then in Spartanburg, South Carolina in the afternoon. So it was a quick Whoa. down and back. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah. We had had access to uh, some some private air passage so <laughs> so we could pull this off. But uh, <clears throat> in the afternoon, I, I we started our program and, and and we started late because I couldn't find Morris. Like I'd lost him like he was gone. <laughs> I was in the back. I was in the green room. I was in the bathroom. I was in the basement of this facility. I was looking for Morris everywhere. Do you know where he was? He was in the lobby talking to all of our employees, wanting to know what they wanted to hear. Why didn't I think of that? Of course he was. He was doing an audience analysis. He wanted to know what they were wanting to hear from him before he went on stage. And I'm backstage looking for him. That's the last place he would be. So that was the first lesson that Morris Morrison ever taught me about speaking is to know your audience, know what they want to hear. And, um, and the, the easiest way to do that is to ask them. Yeah, I, I do one better. I interview them before I even get to the conference. And so I make appointments and go visit them. And because, and then what's, what's funny is, is I take those stories and I insert them into the, into the presentation. Mm -hmm. I, I never forget what the guy I was talk, talking to the public works folks of North Carolina and it was in Greensboro and I'm sitting in, I'm sitting in the office with two guys. And then one guy's just looking at me and I, I finally look up at him and he said, did I do something? He, he says, no, you know what? I really want to know why the hell are you here? <laughs> and I'm like, look, I'm not here from, from corporate, the, spy on you or anything i'm just trying to find out what your issues are so i could address them during the conference uh, you know when i do my keynote and and he said to me you know what i've been here 30 years run this place right you're the first speaker to ever show up in our office and after that he was like my best buddy yeah <laughs> I, I, I'm like, you, you, you know, I was, it was in, the conference was in Greenville and I, and I called up another friend. He invited me to the football game, the ECU football game. And I didn't, I didn't have a place to stay. And he, he said, well, if you need a place to stay, you stay in my room. Doesn't, you know, I, I'm, uh, I got a double, double, double. So, uh, but I ended up driving home because it's only an hour and a half, two hours, but, but, you know, you meet, you meet people like that, you're like, wow, mm -hmm. that's really, that's really, that's really great. Well, it bridged the gap. It bridged the gap yeah. of communication as well. I mean, you would not have been able to be nearly as effective without having that, having known that, having had that communication and that conversation. And so, yeah, that's, that's incredibly powerful. And it's a great lead in to this quote that you sent to me. This quote from one of the one of America's leading thinkers. Oh man, I, I got I gotta use that. America's <laughs> leading thinkers. <laughs> Write it down, Peter A, because this quote came from an incredibly smart individual. Uh why why don't you tell us a little bit about number one, what is the quote? Who said it and why this quote is important to you? Well, let's start with who said it. Who said it was me. <laughs> I said it. And the quote is, the person that's going to help you the most, you probably haven't met yet. 
And this goes back to when I was chronically unemployed during the 2008 recession. I was unemployed for a few years. Didn't have any money coming in and everything, right? Realized that I was living in the bougie neighborhood in Cary, North Carolina, where uh, with the big house, driving, driving the BMW and all that good stuff and everything. So everything starts to fall apart. But you know what? All your friends in the neighborhood, their lives aren't falling apart. Okay? Mm -hmm. And after a while, after saying to them, no, I can't go play golf. No, we can't go out to dinner with you guys. No, you know, then they just leave you alone. Because honestly, I think in defense of them, they just don't know what to do. Sure. Because their lives keep moving forward, right? But mine wasn't. I was stuck. I was stuck. All I really wanted was somebody to say, hey, Peter, can I, can I take you out for a cup of coffee? Just see what the hell's going on. Nobody did that, hmm. right? But one day... I uh, I was in Toastmasters, and it was 2015, and this guy wasn't a member. I was in Apex Toastmasters, and uh, this guy showed up, and he was going to practice his TEDx speech for us. His name was Stan Phelps, and when he was when he was doing his TEDx speech, I said, "Whoa, me and Stan have a lot in common. Uh, you know, New York advertising, this, that, and the other thing." So af afterwards, I. I think we should get together and, and talk. And uh, we did. And he said, how come you're not in American Marketing Association? I said, well, I just never really got involved in it and everything. He says, I think you should. I think you should join. So I joined. And after I joined, he said, I wrote him an email. I said, hey, Stan, just want to let you know I joined. He called me up. He says, okay, now I want you to lean in. I'm the president. I want you to be on the board. I'm like, wow. Okay. So I was on the board. And it was because I was on the board that one of my good friends called me up because she saw what I was doing. And she goes, hey, Peter, we need some help over at our, our agency. You think, you think you could help us? And what I thought was a three-week gig turned into a six-year commitment. Wow. So that to me was like, you know, the person that's going to help you the most, you haven't met yet. I knew a lot of people and they weren't helping me. But here's somebody who just came into my life and just said, hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Why don't you get involved? And that made all the difference. So that's a, that's a quote I use a lot when people are in a hole or don't know what to do or are losing faith or just 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 totally out of it and say, hey, you got to go out. You got to go meet some new people. Because as one person told me, you know, sometimes friendships are for a season. Mm -hmm. They're not forever. You know, you'll meet people, they'll come into your life, and then that's it. And then you move on to another set, and you move on to another set. You got to remember that, too. We think that you're going to stay like this forever. I don't live in that neighborhood anymore, by the way. <laughs> I don't think I want to live in that neighborhood. But, you know, we did have some good friends, but uh, it's a different mindset. When you're in different places, you know, it, it, sometimes it's just, hey, it was good while it lasted, move on. Yeah. And then uh, that's why that that's important to me, because it gives people hope that it's not over yet.
it's not over till the fat lady sings. So you can't, you got to keep on. That's why I call it moving forward. You got to keep on moving forward. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, and our friend Steve Gilliland said, you can't look in that rear view mirror. That's right. That's why the windshield is bigger because okay. it's more opportunity out there. Don't look in that rear view mirror. <laughs> the person who will help you the most. You probably haven't met yet by Peter a the quote for, for today, Peter, you, you mentioned Stan Phelps, by the way, which color goldfish was it that he was <laughs> telling you about the, the well, I get it, it's, it's, well, you know, he has, he bought a Tesla and, uh, and he had it wrapped and it's a purple goldfish Yeah, and it's all purple goldfish, but he has a series of books of all different colored goldfish. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, prolific writer has done well, you know, yeah. I'm very happy for him. Very much so. Very much so. So the person who will help you the most you haven't met yet, but in order for you to meet that person, like you said, you have to lean in. You have to get up out of the chair, get up off the couch. You have to go do something. There's some yeah. action that needs to be taken. How do you do that? What do you do? What are the things that you do to meet that person that's going to help propel you forward? Well, you, you said something interesting. You said you got to get off the couch. During that time of my unemployment, I was on that couch. I was I was trying to dig myself a hole in that couch so nobody would see me, and my uh, wife and kids would come home and see me on that couch. Well, one day I got home, that couch was gone. I said, where's the couch? Where's the big comfy couch? And they said, we threw it away. Your time is up. Go do something. <laughs> <laughs> Go fix this. And then sometimes it's other people, the people who care about you will do that. And that's why, uh, you know, sometimes we find out that you think the people that you think care about you, eh, sometimes they really don't. <laughs> sometimes, and, and you have to, you have to, you have to deal with that. Yeah. And, and uh, so go look for other people. Right. They're out there. What what is it you want to what is it you want to do? Lean into that, and the biggest thing I said uh, I I tell people is how are you going to help others? Mm -hmm. Because the only way this is going to work is if you're helping somebody else. Because if it's about you, it's not going to happen. Yeah, you have to be able to help others, even when you're at your worst moment in your life. You can still help other people. Right. So that's why you do. And so that's why I continually volunteer. Uh, it's it, it's not about Peter. It's about what Peter can do for somebody else. Yep. That's that's what it comes down to. And, and really, that's that's how, again, I'm going to come back to it. That's how you start bridging gaps. Right. Mm -hmm. you, you reach out and you you realize that it's not about the person in the mirror. It's about the person that's out outside the window mm -hmm. and, and you look out the window and you see them and 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 move to help. So Peter, uh, so what are some things that you would say to individuals who are kind of facing, um, that hole or digging that hole that you mm -hmm. mentioned in the couch that are, that are kind of down because they've lost their job, or maybe they, uh, maybe they're in a job that they just absolutely despise, but they're in that rut and you look around and there's no ladder. There's no, there's no way to get out of this hole. How do you start to climb? Well, well, Jody, uh, I'm going to ask you uh, the question that I always ask everybody else. And that's, that is, what's the first thing you do if you want to climb out of a hole you dug yourself into? And the answer to that is stop you digging. stop digging. Right. Right. That's number one. 
And you got to stop doing the stuff that got you there. Okay. Because what happens is we think, oh, it worked before. I'll keep on doing it. It will work again. It will work again. Well, no, it's not working. Try something else because Mm -hmm. this is not working. Uh, And that's the first thing you got to do is stop digging to get out of your hole. Then while you're in there is uh, when I, when I talk about the uh, moving forward presentation, then you have to deal with uh, everyone's expectations you can't worry about everybody else's expectations. You can't worry. If you hate your job, you can't worry about what that boss wants from you because you hate that job. You're not going to do it. Go look for a new job. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. seriously, you, if you get stuck there, you're just going to get worse and worse. And that's what I mean about digging. Inaction is, is something that is considered uh, digging. <laughs> if you do nothing, you'll still get deeper into the hole. So uh, that's that's one of the things. And the second thing I tell people is to uh, you're going to have to rewrite your story and you're going to have to trust the author and the author is you. Hmm. You have to you have to really say, okay, what does my life what do I want my life to look like? You know, when when I was uh, started thinking about speaking, I would see different speakers and I was I was like trying to pick the best out of out of all of them or whatever. But after a while, you just have to pick one and model after them. You know, what, what is it they do that you can associate with? So uh, find somebody that's doing something that you want to do and then go talk to them, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And the final thing is you, you have to, you have to deal with, you have to deal with your why, what, why do you do what you do? A lot of us, do what we do because we get that check and I can pay my bills. Okay. And you do that every week and that's fine. But realize that if you continually do that, you'll never get to where you want to be. Right. You have to realize what is your why? What, what are you going to get? What are you going to bring to the world? And that, that why has to be something that's not about you either. You know? Uh, So it's those three things will help you get get out of the hole, associate with people that love you and care about you. And one thing I had to do is I got rid of the toxic people. You know, there's toxic people in your life. And one of the hardest things to do is to forgive. And all you have to do is just forgive them and then move on. Mm-hmm. You don't have to see them all the time. You don't have to, <laughs> but you just have to forgive them and just, you're done with me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so true. And, and it reminds me, my wife and I used to, used to own a business. It was a health and wellness studio. And one of the things that we would do, um, you know, there were a lot of things that we did that I was like, Oh, this is really great. I had no idea the health benefits, but there was one thing that we would do that. I, I just look at, it, I'm like, this is, this is like selling, like, you know, I'm, I'm the guy in the 1800s coming in with a tonic here. That's really just whiskey. Right. And and so we would do these ionic foot baths and they're supposed to detox people. Right. Right. And so we had this lady come in. She says, I have irritable bowel syndrome. I have all these things going on. And my wife's like, you need to do a foot detox. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I got, and I got a bridge that I can sell you too, (laughs) along with it. We did this, Peter. and, And I swear, and it was on a Saturday that I was by myself in the shop. My wife was at home. I told her to stay home. This lady comes in and says, I want to do the foot detox. I'm like, yeah, let's set it up, set it up for 
and, and we do this and I'm, I'm thinking this is whatever this is just you know tonic here we go it's the elixir it's the elixir it's the elixir, the elixir. <laughs> right two and, bits <laughs> and two two bits for the elixir and and so she paid her two bits and i i set this thing up and i swear to you inside the water after she was done there was a parasite swear i've got a picture of it. really it, it was a parasite and i i did the only thing i knew what to do i called my wife i'm like you're not gonna believe this oh my god there's a parasite. and you know what my wife said i knew it i knew, I knew it. it of course yeah she knew it and, and i'm gonna tell you three weeks later didn't didn't hear from the lady she comes in three weeks later and she just smiles and she says i don't have irritable bowel anymore and my wife's like, well, you never did. I, you know, and, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm a believer now. And so you, this, you talk about toxic toxins in the body and, and, you know, that's a real thing, toxic relationships. You have to detox. You have to do the things that feel uh, very unusual sometimes to get rid of the toxins that are in your life. And, yeah. and sometimes they're hard. Sometimes they're hard to do, especially when those toxic relationships are family and close friends. And how do you do that? How do you get it rid of that toxin? It's it's one of the hardest things to do, and then uh, it, it, it's not easy, you know. And and family is a big one. There are a lot of people that tell you, "Oh, you should do this, you should do that," or "Look at this one," or they're talking about you behind your back and that stuff and everything. And finally, one day you say, "I'm done, hmm. I'm done." And it's because um, I forgot who said it, but it's uh, you are the sum of the five people you hang around with. So if you hang around with toxic people over time, guarantee you're going to be toxic. Yeah. So you have to get out of that environment and find out, uh, you, you know, when I got into, uh, when I got into speaking and started uh, meeting like motivational speakers and everything, they, they're pretty genuine. And, and those are the people I like hanging out with yeah. because they're not really talking down. They're not really talking about other people. They're talking about how can people get better? At, at what they do and when you start hanging around with people like that you don't want to hang around with the naysayers and, and 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 that sort of thing and and you just fall away from that right right the person who will help you the most you probably haven't met yet peter as we wrap this up um what i like to do in every episode is give our our listeners the opportunity to hear something from you that they can apply to their week to help them win their week based on this quote. So if there's someone listening right now that's saying, wow, the person that'll help me the most I haven't met yet. So, so what do I do? How do I, how do I use that? What am I going to do to win my week in order to, to, to be able to get myself out of this hole? What is your advice for those individuals that are looking for something actionable to do right now? That's a great question, Jody. I it's it, it's a hard one, but I think reach out to someone that you really would like to emulate or that's kind of what where you want to go, whatever. Because um sometimes you can reach out to them. And if you're genuine and authentic, I mean, that's what it says on my website. I'm authentic <laughs> and real because I am real. I'm from Brooklyn, New York, right? I tell it like it is and I don't sugarcoat it. And, 
reach out to them. I mean, what's the worst thing they could do? Shoot you down? Uh, I uh, it, it, It's amazing because all those years in advertising, I met a lot of celebrities and and it all goes it, it all comes down to one thing some celebrities are real prima donnas they couldn't give a hoot about you mm. but the smart ones they know that without me i'm not spending my clients money on their tv program and if they don't get ads on their tv program their tv program is going to fail <laughs> and not be on the air that long <laughs> so the smart ones know that hey i should know this person I should, I should be able to help where I can, you know, what can I do for you or your client? Mm. That sort of thing. Right. It's just smart business, yeah. but, um, uh, reach, reach out to somebody that you're, you're looking to do business with, uh, and just say, Hey, I just, just want to have a cup of coffee. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing about that too, is that if you're, if you find someone that you want to emulate, and you reach out and you say, hey, you know what? I'm struggling. I want to be where you are. How, how, do you, how did you get there? Can you give me 30 minutes and just talk through some of the things that you did? And they brush you off. You probably shouldn't be emulating that person. Yeah. Find someone else to emulate. Find yeah. someone else that's going to help you do that. And well, we, we, we all put people on a pedestal. And that, that, that's one of the things that, that I never forget. And, and people won't remember this woman. But Remember when Roseanne was the number one show on TV? Right. Well, there was another show after, that ran after Roseanne that was a rookie show. It was called Grace on the Fire. And the actress was, uh, uh, I forgot the name, uh, Brett, someone, Brett. Uh, I forgot the name. But anyway, she was the star of the show. Yep. And when I first met her, she was in jeans and, and a T-shirt. And she didn't have a line to her stand. So I just walked up to her. And she was a comedian. And uh, having and having this show, and and I talked to her for about twenty minutes. She used to she knew North Carolina because of the outlets, and and she did a she did a stick on the whole outlet thing, right? <laughs> and and so anyway, but it turns out that I think it was Rhett Butler. I don't remember. Butler, anyway, no, right. no, it was uh, anyway. So the next year, the next year. She had the number two show because Roseanne was her lead in, right? And then she next year when she showed up, she wasn't in jeans. She wasn't, she was in high heels, skirt, you know, made up like a Barbie doll and everything. And I walked up to her and said, Hey, I saw you last year. She didn't know who the hell I was. She didn't care. Whatever. Well, guy like me, you know, I put my money where I didn't I didn't buy her show. I didn't need to. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yep. And uh, it wasn't that much longer that she she wasn't there anymore. Mm. So she she crashed and burned. Yeah. And uh, so it's that attitude. You you have to treat people right. And if you don't treat them right, you're not <laughs> you're not going to get anywhere. Exactly. That's exactly right. That is so true. It's true in business. It's true in personal relationships. Uh, you got to treat people and and not just people on your level or people above your level. You've got to treat everyone from the CEO uh, down to the hourly worker with, with respect and, and humility to the point where, you know what, you could learn a lot from that person that punches the clock that can help you move forward in your career, probably a lot more than they could learn from you. 
That's right. The, the, the great ones will talk to you. Yeah. They want to know what's going on in your life. Because if things are going bad, things are going to go bad in the company. <laughs> you know, if they don't fix it. So, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's why Peter A. is America's leading thinker. <laughs> with this amazing quote, ladies well, and gentlemen. Oh, you know what? That whole Greek philosophy thing. I, I can run with this. <laughs> I can, Jody, man, I'm, I'm going to have to pay you a finder's fee for this one. I like it. I like it. You got a little, <laughs> put a little fig crown on you're, you're gonna be you're gonna be all set man i, I feel another uh keynote coming on here the, the you know, musings of peter a fantastic peter thank you so much for being on the quotivation podcast I, man i always love just uh chewing the fat with you and, and and talking with you a lot of great insight this fabulous quote the person who will help you the most you probably haven't met yet and uh, that's so true. And so, Peter, I'm, uh, I am grateful that I've had the opportunity to meet you and form a relationship and a friendship there. So thank you for being on the Quotivation Podcast. Well, thank you for having me, Jody. And, and I look forward to seeing you soon at the, the cornhole tournaments and, and us getting together and uh, doing some business. Love it. Know? Yes. Sounds great, right. man. Thanks so much. And that was Peter Agioblastides, or Peter A., as he is more commonly known with his powerful quote, the person that's going to help you the most, you probably haven't met yet. Thanks again, Peter, for being on the Quotivation podcast. Hey, why don't you stick around? Have a little dessert. It's time for the last slice of cheesecake. How about some dessert before you go? There isn't anything that can't be solved over a slice of cheesecake. So before we wrap things up, sit back, relax, and enjoy the last slice of cheesecake. What a great conversation with Peter A. I always love talking with Peter. He has such powerful insights and, and he's from Brooklyn. So he's going to tell you exactly how it is couple of things I took away from our conversation. Number one, understand your audience. I shared a story about a, a friend of a mutual friend of, of ours, Morris Morrison, who is a fantastic individual and a wonderful speaker. And it was about knowing your audience. It was about understanding who you were talking to. And then Peter and I had a discussion about understanding the generational gap, understanding others uh, that are, that are younger or older than you. And, um, you know, for everyone else, it's fine for me. I'm a Gen Xer. I don't care. No, that's not true. I want to understand what makes a millennial tick. I want to understand how to connect with that baby boomer. I want to understand how to connect with someone that's on the disc assessment. That's a strong D like Peter. I am a, an I so far off the scale an I. And how do I connect with Peter, who is also a baby boomer? And so understanding who you're communicating with, understanding how they communicate, understanding how they understand things, how best to convey your message. But also, I think a key point in communication is understanding how to listen to people. Too many times we are eager to respond because we have something in our mind that we're formulating to respond to what we're hearing that we really don't hear 
what's being said. We listen for the purpose of response, not for the purpose of understanding. And so being an active listener is probably the most important part of communications. Then Peter talked about his journey, uh, about how he came to move forward, digging that hole, burying himself in the couch. I think many of us have been there. Uh, We all have a proverbial couch that we want to bury ourselves in, that we just want to lay down and hide from the world. When we do that, we deny the world. We deny the world the gifts that we have been given. We owe it to ourselves. We owe it to the world to engage, to interact, to talk, to meet, to discuss. How are you going to apply Peter's quote to your week in order to win your week if you're buried in the couch somewhere? His quote was so strong and so powerful. The person that's going to help you the most, you probably haven't met yet. You know what that means? That means you need to go out and start meeting people. If you have somewhere that you want to be, if you have something that you want to do, somewhere that you want to go, find someone that's already been there, that's already blazed that path. Emulate them. Talk to them. Ask them questions. Understand how they got there. Understand the struggles that they went through. Understand the expectations that you should have as you go down your journey. Whether you want to be an accountant, a CEO, a landscaper, whatever it is, find someone that's been there. Find someone that's built success. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. And maybe... Today, you're listening to this, it's, it's Sunday night or it's Monday morning, and you're driving into work, and we've seen all of the TikTok videos of, of the, that are supposed to be funny about how we feel about driving into work on Monday morning. One of my favorite ones is a scene from Ferris Bueller uh, when, uh, when Cam is sick, and, and he's in the, in the Ferrari, and he's, he's debating on whether he's going to go see Ferris or not, Right. And he's talking to himself. He's, if I don't go, he's just going to call and keep calling. And he starts banging on the seat next to him. And he's so frustrated. And TikTok, of course, has turned that into how we feel driving to work on Monday morning. Maybe you're there. Maybe you feel that way. Like Peter said, if you hate your job, go find a new one. Go look for something else. Oh, it's not that easy. What if I don't like, what if I get into a worse situation? Then don't use good judgment, be purposeful, discern what you want to do, emulate someone that's already done it, do your research, do your homework, and you'll end up in a great place. But if you hate where you are, then stop being where you are. Go be somewhere else. Go do something else. But when you find that person that you want to emulate, make sure that it's somebody that's willing to pour into you and make sure that it's someone that's willing to allow you to pour into them. The relationship should be mutual. I've had many friends and and mentors over the years. 
And the greatest relationships, the greatest success that I've had in having those relationships is finding someone that understands that this is a mutually beneficial relationship that I have as much to give as I need to take. Find that person that you need to emulate. Find that person that's in the spot that you want to be. And then go get it. Go do it. The person that's going to help you the most is probably someone you haven't met yet. That's from the great thinker, Peter A. And I hope you're able to network this week to find those individuals that are in the spot that you want to be, that you reach out to them, that you ask them questions, that you seek understanding. Go buy them a cup of coffee. If they're, across, if they're halfway across the country, send them a Starbucks card and set up a Zoom meeting. Have coffee together. Talk about what you want to do, where you want to be, where you want to go, and then actively listen to what they have to say. That's how you're going to win your week this week. I want to thank Peter A. for being on our show. I want to thank Amy Real, the real deal in all things mortgage for her sponsorship of the Shot of Motivation. And I want to thank you for listening. It's all the time we have this week. Until next time, stay motivated. You have been listening to the Quotivation Podcast, hosted by America's leading emerging speaker, Jody Powell. If you would like to book Jody to speak at your company, conference, or next event, visit www.jodypowellspeaks.com. You can also email him at Jody, that's J-O-D-Y, at jodypowellspeaks.com. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the Quotivation Podcast. And remember, stay quotivated.